0: turn their retirement goals into reality, and improve their lives. And now, here's your host, Ross Brannan. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Dr. James Waller. Dr. Waller is with Litvak and Waller Aesthetic Comprehensive Dentistry and believes in relationship-based teamwork approach to dentistry. Before, Dr. Waller earned his Doctorate of Dental Surgery degree from the University of Colorado. He served the 10th Mountain Division in the United States Army. He comes from a line of dentists, and he has a very unique story.
1: Dr. Waller, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Ross. I've uh, been looking forward to this.
0: So you have a really unique entrance into the dental world. Tell us a little bit about
1: how you got here. Yeah. So as you mentioned, uh, my dad was a dentist. I kind of grew up in that world. Um, and being uh, obstinate, I guess, I wanted to try other things. So in college, I uh, kind of fell prey to the U.S. Army, ROTC dabbled into that, and then ended up serving with the uh, 10th Mountain Division for a couple of years.
0: And real Um, quick, for those who don't know the military, describe the 10th Mountain Division and what they do.
1: Oh, sure. So 10th Mountain Division is basically a light infantry. Um, So when you need boots on the ground, um, that's uh, one of the most deployed units in the whole army. So, you know, we right when I got there, I dropped my stuff off at Fort Drum, which is our headquarters, and then I went over to Kosovo. And then later, they sent me down to uh, Afghanistan and you know, 10th Mountain Division has been all over the world. So it's a, it's a very active unit.
0: So how many years were you in the army?
1: I just did the four years to kind of cover the ROTC commitment. So four years active duty as a uh, signal Corps officer. So that was put me in charge of, uh, communication mostly. So we were kind of like a uh, mobile AT&T for the, for the army.
0: And did you see live combat?
1: I did not. No, I was blessed enough to, to not, uh, we got a couple shells here and there when we were in Afghanistan, but, uh, no, everybody I left with came back, and uh, I'm, I'm just fine with that. And
0: after the Army, what was your next move?
1: So after the Army, I felt like I needed a little bit more adventure, so I, I became a uh, commercial pilot. So I got my pilot's license, uh, became a flight instructor, did that for a while, and then got hired on a uh, commercial airline, and I was flying uh, CRJs, which if you're not familiar with those, those are the uncomfortable jets that are two rows and two rows in the back kind of the smaller ones that you would fly on the uh, shorter flights, but they're fun to fly.
0: And so from there, you were a pilot, you'd done the Army thing, you were a pilot, and then the dentistry kept, just started calling. Is that what
1: happened? Yeah, I guess that's it. So my wife and I had our first kid, and uh, my wife works full-time, and being a pilot, I was gone five or six days a week, and I wanted to be around and be more involved in, in uh, my children's lives. So I decided to give up the flying and pursue a career that would give me kind of flexibility to be around. And, um, you know, one point I just sat down, I thought, you know, what if dentistry does fit? So I actually started shadowing a couple of dentists in the Denver area and uh, really liked what I saw. Um, You know, I love working with my hands. I love talking to people. And uh, it just seemed like it would be a good fit for me uh, career wise.
0: And so when you got out of dental school and, and joined the practice, how old were you? i was i
1: believe 42 when i graduated dental school
0: okay so you were the old guy you were the grandpa in the class then huh
1: i was certainly the grandpa with uh two kids uh because we had a daughter you know in between the first and second yeah so i was kind of the elder statesman in the dental school class
0: and i'm sure that was an interesting experience so and now did you start a practice right away did you join a practice what
1: was your move there so I joined a, uh, a group practice um, that's very highly regarded in the Denver area, um, and it was kind of one of these things where my focus was finding the right dentist to work with, because uh, I wanted to make sure that I was a good dentist and be able to focus on patients. So I didn't want to go the corporate route. I wanted to go something that was a little bit more patient-focused. Um, what I did not do is I did not take care of my financials very well. So I loved I loved the people I worked with. The practice was great. Uh, I just wasn't making any money, which made it hard to pay student loans. Which uh, you know made it hard to contribute to the family. So I had to change things up after after that practice. And it's and that practice is still around, and they're still doing great dentistry there.
0: And so you then went to another practice, and now you're part owner of that practice, correct?
1: Yeah, so uh, I ran into um, actually one of my faculty from Colorado School of Dental Medicine uh, down at Spear, and uh, we started a mentor-mentee kind of relationship, and then uh, one day he invited me to join him in his practice, and uh, I leapt at that chance.
0: Oh, that's exciting. So tell me, kind of, you guys have a little bit of a different focus. I mean, you're not the only ones who do this, but you, 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 you kind of go down a little bit of the, the, the sleep apnea side uh, of the sleep dentistry side of the world. So talk a little bit about your practice and, you know, how it's normal dentistry, quote unquote, and then you you add the sleep apnea treatment to that.
1: That's a good question. So our philosophy in our practice is we want to be comprehensive care, which means, you know, we're not treating, you know, 32 individual teeth that happen to be attached to a body. Uh, we want to treat the person. And, what that means to me is that whatever I can do to increase your health span, uh, make you a healthier person within my ability, that's, that's what I want to focus on. So for me, sleep apnea became a big part of that because I realized that it affects so much of what we see in dentistry, but it also affects, you know, overall health, uh, maybe even more so than a lot of bread and butter dentistry does.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting because you see a lot of people with sleep apnea, People many times think it's just really heavy, over obese people, and it's not just them. Um, I've, I've met people who look relatively fit, fit who have it, and we talked a little bit offline about the book Breathe by James Nestor, and it's interesting. Ever since I read that book, I started wearing mouth tape, and you've read that book, and you know, you were saying earlier how mouth breathing has a lot to do with these challenges that people have.
1: Yeah, and uh, that book is tremendous. If if anybody hasn't read it, uh, highly highly recommend. Um, because it's not just sleep apnea, right? Uh, mouth breathing is just an unhealthier way to breathe in general. And you see a lot of people breathing through their mouth because it's you know a lot of times it's easier than breathing through the nose. But we get such such better quality of breath when we do nose breathe. We're mammals, and we're meant to be breathing in and out of our nose. You know, ninety percent of the time, and, and we're it's not actually natural
0: anxious. filtration system.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, in this last uh, couple of years dealing with COVID and the pandemic and everything, the first line of defense defense is your natural filtration and the mucus that you get from breathing through your nose. Plus, it it keeps your immune system um, a lot healthier when you're doing it that way because you're not getting all the dust and particles um, into your body, and and your immune system can focus on more pathogenic particles that are in the air. So, you're
0: treating a patient. How do you know they have sleep apnea? How does that conversation come up? Or is it, hey, we offer sleep treatment and people approach you about it? How, how does
1: that work? Both ways. Uh, so we get people coming into the practice sometimes just because, you know, their doctors recommended a CPAP and they don't want to do it. Or there's a wait list to get on a CPAP and, you know, they, then they get referred over to see us uh, for alternative therapy. But I'd say most of the time, it's we do a very thorough, you know, our new patient exam is an hour and a half long. So we do a very thorough new patient oh. exam. And we look for signs, you know, we look for long palates and scallop tongues and posterior wear and abfraction lesions, and kind of put the whole picture together. And you're absolutely right. The body type for sleep apnea, there's no one specific type. Uh, so some people, it's an easy conversation. Some people, there's a a little bit more convincing you need to do to get them uh, into a sleep study.
0: Interesting. Now, besides sleep apnea, I mean, how open are people to that? Because how many people are like, wait, you're a dentist. Why are you talking about sleep apnea?
1: Yeah, I get that question a lot. And people are much more open to investigating sleep pathology when they realize it's not a uh, a CPAP death sentence. Um, I think there's a lot of people that just know about that treatment and absolutely don't want to do it. Uh, or no, they can't tolerate, uh, you know, sleeping with a mask on their face. So rather than find out what's wrong with them, they just ignore it because that's the only treatment that they're aware of. What type of treatment do you give people? Well, it depends on their level of disease. Uh, so like we we're kind of talking offline, if we've got somebody that's, you know, mild or even mild to moderate, we're going to start with some behavioral adaptations first before we get into any, you know, medical device or anything like that. So the mouth taping, that's absolutely the first step. A lot of times, um, you know, I've got uh, some patients that only have sleep apnea if they're sleeping on their back. So there's different devices like uh, a shirt with a tennis ball sewn into it to prevent you from sleeping on your back and you stay on your side. And, uh, you know, that can be curative of, of sleep apnea, just changing the way you sleep. So I always start simple and I work my way up. But to answer your question in the dental world, we have that uh, the mandibular advancement devices, the main treatment of the symptoms of sleep apnea.
0: And then, but sleep apnea opens the door to other things then, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because it has, like I said, it affects everything we do in dentistry. It it creates an acidic environment in the mouth. So we get a lot more dental caries. We get a lot more wear, um, fraction lesions. So before we start, you know, fixing the teeth and and doing that, I like to get to the root cause. And if we can minimize or fix the sleep apnea problem, it makes, you know, treating the teeth and the rest of the problems a lot more predictable and a lot more long-lasting.
0: Now, talk about TMJ and teeth grinding because that
1: fall are those symptoms of sleep apnea or does that fall in the same realm? It does fall in the same realm, especially if we're talking about the mandibular advancement, because you can't ignore the TMJs when you're putting the jaw into a different position, especially for, you know, let's say eight hours every night. Um, so we, you have to look at the TMJs to see if there's disease, if there's not disease. And, and we treat people with, you know, TMD all the time but we want to know the risk before getting into the treatment but yeah clenching and grinding nighttime bruxism is often a symptom of sleep apnea but not always so i always want to be careful about um promising too much when we're when we're treating sleep apnea
0: and what kind of results do you see with sleep apnea i'm assuming some people uh it's a hey you got to lose weight type of scenario but um how many of them do you see uh success and progress with
1: so I'd say you got to define success. So with a mandibular advancement, we're not going to get, you know, if, if you come in with a, you know, moderate to severe sleep apnea, we're not going to get you down into like an AHI of, you know, one or five down in that uh, very milder or, or no sleep apnea range, but we see improvement in probably I'd say 85, 90% of the people that, that go into a device. Um, some people, you know, as soon as they try it on, they can't sleep without it ever again. Um, Some people don't really tolerate it very well or or they see market improvement and we get their oxygen saturation level better, but they still might not be sleeping great, which again, before we start treatment, I always let them know we're treating the breathing problem. It's not necessarily going to make you, you know, have better sleep. Oftentimes it does, but not always.
0: Interesting. What's the, uh, I guess it's such a unique thing. What's one of the kind of the more out there things that you've seen doing this sleep dentistry?
1: Well, the the trend nowadays is um, looking to cure sleep apnea rather than treat the symptoms. So I said, you know, positioning the mandible forward at night is a is a way to treat the symptom of sleep apnea. But if we're looking to cure it, um, really, you know, we need to undo, you know, a couple of generations of industrial revolution and chewing. And then what I mean by that is humans don't grow wide as they used to, because we're eating a mushy diet, you know, starting as a baby, and we Talks just don't get the bone structure. The book, yeah, it does. It does. And, you know, that's 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 right on the science. Um, so treatment today to fix that, you know, we're, we're doing uh, something called surgically facilitated orthodontic treatment, where there's a combination of, you know, augmenting the bone and expanding the jaw so that we can get, you know, people wider and open up the nasal passages and Get more volume for for airway space,
0: and so it's a. Is it surgery or is it more just kind of like an orthodontic procedure?
1: So that uh, involves surgery because if you just try to do orthodontics, um, a lot of times you'll tip the tip the teeth or you'll push the the roots of the teeth outside that buckle plate. And the buckle plate is kind of an immovable structure in our mouths. But if we damage the buckle plate with surgery, so you go in and, and cut grooves into it. Now your body is remodeling that. So as we expand it, while you're remodeling your buckle plate, we can actually move your structures without pushing the roots outside of it. So you do need a combination of the surgery and the uh, and the orthodontics. Otherwise, you risk kind of pushing teeth too far uh, to where your body can't remodel.
0: How many people go down that that road? <laughs> Very few. Because uh, it's a uh, change the way they look.
1: It does. I mean, for the most part, it actually improves aesthetics um, because, you know, you get that wider, fuller smile where your teeth, it's easier to align them. Um, so the the aesthetics are usually improved after something like that. But, you know, it's a it's a pretty uh, involved surgery to do that. So the, the recovery is not very fun. You're on a soft food diet for, you know, quite a few weeks and it's kind of hard to go through. But uh, it's it we don't have bad outcomes with that, but it's you know, you gotta be committed to it to to want to sign up for that.
0: Yeah, that, that's definitely serious right there. But I mean, someone who does that, is that just because they're having that much trouble sleeping?
1: Or they're, you know, really crowded and constricted. And you know, one thing is they might want to do it for the aesthetics as well as the sleeping. One is you know they may not just they may prefer to do something like that than to be living with a CPAP or a mandibular advancement device or Inspire is a new way to treat it. But uh, yeah, if you don't want to live with one of the treatments for the symptoms of sleep apnea, that that that's a way to cure it.
0: Wow, that's that's really interesting.
1: What are some things that
0: you've that have surprised you that you've learned doing sleep treatment?
1: Some of the things that surprised me, the biggest things is how it affects everything that we do in dentistry. Um, if somebody has sleep apnea, you just you just learn to start seeing it, you know, from you go from seeing the people that, you know, you can hear, breathe coming down the hallway to as soon as they open your mouth, you start thinking sleep apnea. And that's, like I said, if somebody's got a lot of erosion and wear on their teeth, and especially if they've got that scalloped tongue, meaning their their tongue's been pushing against their teeth for years and years and years. And honestly, we see this a lot more on uh, on kind of younger, fit women um, who you wouldn't think have sleep apnea. And those those are the discussions I said that are kind of harder to get them into sleep studies. Although uh, women are generally well, can be um, more attuned to taking care of themselves than men. Uh, but I think that's a population that's oftentimes missed.
0: Really, that's really interesting. So, because you really like we said before, you I've seen fit people who have sleep apnea, but it's typically, in my experience, and I don't deal in sleep treatment, heavier people. But you're seeing, it's yeah, it's definitely heavy people, heavy people. But there's a lot of people who aren't heavy who have it. It's not just a little bit; it's a lot.
1: Correct. Yeah. So yeah, and sleep apnea is it's a progressive disease. It gets worse as we age, um, and really, it's about you know structures that are going to impede the airway. And as you get heavier, your visceral fat kind of pushes on those structures. So that absolutely adds to your risk factors. But, you know, you don't have to be a, a big, heavy person to have a, a palate that, you know, extends too far down into your pharynx or have a tongue that's too big for a narrow archway kind of thing. Wow. Well, wow, that, that's that's
0: really, really interesting. So where do you see the future of sleep dentistry going?
1: I actually see the future of sleep dentistry going away from the mandibular advancement device. It's a, It's an easy fix, but it does... You know, it's got its own uh, implications when you're repositioning the jaw. You know, you can change the bite. If somebody does have TMD, you can exacerbate that. I think that, you know, the latest and greatest for treating the symptoms is probably the Inspire Sleep um, implant, which is uh, like a hypoglossal nerve implant that makes you stick your tongue out when you inhale. Um, but again, that's a, that's a surgery where you're having an implant put in your body, and not a lot of people like to do that. But I think in order to really affect change, we need to look younger and younger and younger. And if we know that part of the cause is having a soft and mushy diet, uh, if we can counsel parents and and get, you know, toddlers and even infants um, instead of putting them on, you know, rice cereal and then mushy baby food, get them, uh, you know, chewing on uh, beef jerky or nuts or, you know, raw carrots. Um, and there's devices that we have to keep infants from choking on things like that, but get them using and working their jaws and trying to build more muscle that's going to create bigger, wider structures. That's, that's really where I see the future, future is we need to, to go younger and younger and affect growth while we can to avoid sleep apnea as adults.
0: Yeah, that's that's really, really fascinating. Well, this um, so as we wind down here, what would you recommend to a dentist – who has never really gone down the sleep um, dentistry road, but is really kind of intrigued or interested by that.
1: So first and foremost, Pick Up Brief by James Nestor. Absolutely read that. And then, uh, you know, the ADA, it's our job to at least screen for sleep apnea. If, if you don't want to treat it, and a lot of dentists don't want to treat it because of the side effects and, you know, getting into it. And there's a hundred different appliances to choose from. So it gets complicated. Um, But you need to look for the signs and symptoms so that you can get your patient referred to, you know, an ENT or a sleep specialist, at least get them started on the path uh, so that they're aware of a disease. Um, So I'd say at at a minimum, look at the uh, American Academy of Sleep Dentistry and look at, you know, some things that you can incorporate into your exam. And they're very easy things to look for you know, it doesn't add any extra time to even a, even a quick and simple periodic exam. You can look for some of those signs and symptoms just to make people aware and get them started on that path.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting right there. So, well, James, this has been a really fascinating conversation To quite frankly, I've been fairly naive on this. I've known about it, but I haven't actually dug into it. And this has been really informative. I really appreciate your time here today.
1: Well, great. I appreciate you having me on Ross. It's uh it's been a real pleasure and you can tell. I could I could talk about sleep and dentistry for hours.
0: <laughs> You've been listening to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannan.
1: This has been another
0: episode of Financial Flossing with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. For more on Ross Brannan, visit rossbrannan.com
2: this podcast is for informational purposes only guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by as guardian or north florida financial and opinions stated are their own ross is a registered representative and financial advisor of park avenue securities llc as osj 3664 coolidge court tallahassee florida three two three one one 850-562-9075. 850-562-9075. Securities, products, and advisory services offer through PAS. Member FINRA, SIPC, financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America. Guardian New York. New York, PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Arkansas insurance license number 16139032. California insurance license number zero L one zero zero seven three two zero two two dash one four two six seven three expires eight two four
1: this podcast is a part of the c-suite radio network for more top business podcasts visit c-suite